From a basketball-obsessed kid to the basketball-obsessed state of Indiana to becoming an NBA All-Star, Mike Conley is not horsing around. He's become one of the most respected players in the league, now trying to bring some momentum to Minnesota. Here is Mike Conley on Wolves Plus. Downs on the attack. Go back! Oh my God! <laughs> Edwards, the Euro, and the finish. So about one month ago, the Timberwolves were in Salt Lake City to play a game against the Jazz, whom you, at the time, technically still played for. And then word started to circulate not long before the game started that there was a trade. And it was a little bit wild, even for those of us on the outside. On the inside, for someone with this knowledge and having to go through warm-ups, you soon went through warm-ups with the Jazz. How surreal was that whole night for you? Yeah. Um... I mean, it was, you know, I've I've heard of being traded midseason is like you know, a tough thing to go through, but it was very unique and uh, weird to do it when you're playing against the team yes. that's possibly trading for you. So, like pulling up to the arena, I kind of had an idea that there was some rumors, you know, spreading around, but I didn't know how much was sticking. And uh, so I got there and tried to go through my routine like I normally do. I'm, it's like as a you know the minutes pass, the stronger it is that likelihood that I'm getting traded and you know go back to my locker room and kind of looking at my teammates then and kind of discussing like what's about to happen or what might happen and how weird it is to just even you know do I go if I get traded do I go to the other locker room now and just like you know say hello to my teammates or like how how do we proceed from here so it was just like a lot of thoughts going on in your mind and um you know, my family actually was, my, my wife was out of town, like people were gone, so I had oh. no, nobody around. So I'm like, I don't know what to do really. So I kind of just went to my locker and sat there. They they went out there to play the game and um, I stayed there for a little bit and kind of gathered my thoughts and uh, went from there. Wow. <clears throat> and you, you have three kids, your oldest is six, so enough to know a little bit about what's going on. How do you explain to your kids, you know that game tonight that team dad was playing against? Yeah. Uh, Dad's going to go play for that team now. That's got to be hard to do. Yeah. Um, I was wrapping my brain around how to approach that as I was driving home. My kids were at the house uh, with a babysitter, and I pulled up, and they were expecting to be watching me play because they were at home watching the game. Um, and I pulled up to the house, and they were, like, shocked that I was there. And I'm like, well, here's what happened. Um, Daddy's now playing for a different team. Actually, I'm playing for the team that's in the white jersey, uh, you know, Minnesota across the front. That's that's Daddy's team now, uh, and they're, they're just like, "What? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it." But the the Jazz, you're, the, we're at home, you know, I don't get it. So I'm like, so I pulled out a, a map of the United States and I said, "Well, here's Utah, right? And this is where we're at. This is Minnesota. This is where Daddy's gonna be playing and we're gonna be living soon. You guys will join me at some point, but mm -hmm. this is where we're gonna be living soon." like oh my gosh that's that's minnesota oh i can't wait to go to minnesota they're just excited for something new so um i tried to put it as you know pg as i could and and didn't want to scare them and saying they probably won't see daddy for a little bit but mm -hmm. um you know they took it good and um my wife found out as she landed on her flight like a few hours later and she you know was surprised too but she took it well as well so um it all worked out yeah well what a great way to look at it an adventure for the whole yeah, family family exactly yeah exactly you ended up going to Lawrence North High School in Indianapolis. High school career record 103 and 7. Yeah. 
three straight state championships. I know Greg Oden was one of your teammates. Mm-hmm. But three state championships in the state of Indiana, where basketball is king. Mm-hmm. What was the atmosphere like for your high school games in Indianapolis? Um, you know, at the time, you didn't really grasp the gravity of what Indiana basketball truthfully was and meant to, you know, shoot to, to America. Like it was, it was just what we knew. Like we went to games and it was 3,000 people, 4,000 people in the stands. The arenas were, you know, the high school arenas were huge. And mm-hmm. I just thought that's what high school basketball was. And um, then you realize as you, you know, freshman, sophomore year, junior year, you're every night you're playing against other NBA level talented players on every team you play against. and it's getting you know televised on ESPN and like all these things are happening I'm like this isn't this can't be normal everywhere and uh, for us to have so, so much success against so many talented teams and players looking back at it is like you know it's amazing I just wish I would have you know knew that back then and and really like took in the moments at the time um, instead of just seeing it as like you know this is how high school normal, is supposed yeah. to be so after <clears throat> high school you went to Ohio State and played your one year at Ohio State, 2007, the NCAA tournament. Second round game, Ohio State's the number one seed. Xavier is the number nine seed, but you guys were down by double digits. Mm-hmm. Ron Lewis hit a three-pointer to force overtime, and then in the overtime, you scored 11 points. And I read this quote from you. Since then, you said, that game really allowed me to understand my potential, not just as an athlete, but also as a leader and a teammate it made me realize I was capable of performing at a high level on the biggest stages. I always felt I was good, but to go out there and see myself take over a pivotal game was an epiphany of sorts. Mm-hmm. Even now, how significant was it for you to play for that Ohio State team and have those kinds of big moments in your career? Well, it, it set the stage for um, countless opportunities and moments I've been in in my career thus far. Um, to be able to be a young 18-year-old in college and have a moment where, you know, Ron Lewis hits a game time shot, you go in and you win in overtime and you play well. Um, it gives you a certain level of confidence and the fear of the anxiety that you, whatever you may have had of, you know, being in moments of taking a last second shot or down five with 10 seconds to go. And like all those moments that you thought were automatically, hey, we might lose. Like it gave me hope, like, hey, I, I know we can get through it. Uh, we can win this regardless and I've been in that situation like a thousand times yeah. now in the NBA and uh, have come out uh, on a lot of those you know in the positive end so it's it's uh, it was a it was a very big big moment in my career because that's where it started it did that's where it yeah. started well that team was really good I know you made the championship you <laughs> lost to Florida Al Horford Corey Brewer Joakim Noah we don't need to go into the details mm. I ain't trying to stir anything mm. up we don't need to do that but that was a very good Ohio State team <laughs> thank you uh, 2007, you enter the NBA draft. You're the number four pick going to the Memphis Grizzlies. And you spent 12 seasons in Memphis. You were part of the grit and grind era. Those teams gave a lot of teams a lot of headaches, including the Minnesota Timberwolves. Was it fun to play that style for so many years while the rest of the league started doing this up and down, flashy, right. three point? moving basketball right. and you guys are still gritting and grinding out wins right um i mean it was our identity and um with those teams i don't think i would have you know developed into the player i am today um or throughout my career just because of the guys i had with zach randolph and marcus saw like tony allen all those guys uh rudy gay like we just had a bunch of guys who were you know mean tough 
physically imposing and uh, we use it to our strength you know those were our strengths at the time and the league was changing around us and, you know me being a, a fast quick guard I, I like to get up and down too so like I was like man I wonder what it'd be like to you know score 140 in a game or you know instead of you know winning games with 100 105 or whatever we were winning games with at the time but at the same time I was like man this is I love it like this is who we are who I am and um, just try to be the best I could be in that in that system. Yeah, well, it brought you guys a lot of wins, and I always thought we were so disciplined because it did not look fun. <laughs> it looked tough, and you guys were committed to it. So that yeah. I think that always impressed a lot of people. Thank you, you made seven straight playoff appearances in Memphis. You played there for 12 seasons. Mm -hmm. Then you're traded in 2019 to Utah in the offseason at 31 years old. Mm -hmm. And you had since said that your first season with the Jazz was the most difficult of your NBA career. What made it so challenging? Um, I think one is, is, you know, you spend 12 seasons somewhere and you're playing in, like we talked about, a, a system that we had that was completely different, you know, cons you know consists of throwing the ball in the post a lot, cutting, you know, a big man that, you know, like Marcus Gasol, who, you know, kind of pick and popped and kind of played through him a lot to a team that, you know, you have another dominant guard in Donovan Mitchell. You have other great perimeter players in Boyan, Royce, Jordan Clarkson. You got uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, obviously, who's you know, one of the better rim threats in the league. Um, and Quinn Snyder, who I think is one of the better coaches that I've ever had, um, who is, you know, super detailed in, in, his, uh, in his offense. And it was a lot to kind of grasp and it was I had to change my game a lot to kind of fit uh, within the group and uh, it took me a minute to kind of make that adjustment uh, which 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 was why it was kind of like one of those tough transitions at yeah. first um, but you know eventually it started to click and things started to get smoother yeah apparently <laughs> because the very next season was your all-star mm -hmm. season so you must have figured things out pretty well <laughs> you had waited 14 years before your all-star appearance, which is the longest for any NBA player to make a first-time all-star team. You scored in that game, you hit a three-pointer, mm -hmm. that one was in Atlanta, and you had said after the game, I was going to shoot every time I touched the ball until I hit a bucket. <laughs> Once I got the bucket, I was like, I'm good, you can take me out, let the young guns run, off, run and put on a show. Yeah. How important, significant, meaningful is that bucket and that all-star game appearance to you? Uh, it means the world, honestly. Um... There was a point in my career where I kind of was like, ah, I just don't think it'll happen. Is, is it, you got to season 10, 11, and you've had so many opportunities, and it just you just get passed over. And I was like, man, it's just not meant to be. It is what it is. And and that that particular season was just you know, everything was going right. Like we were number one in the West. I think we were number one in the league, and we had so many things going right for our team. And I was playing well, and I was like, well, wouldn't it be funny if I made it? You know. <laughs> At th this year at 33 or however old I was and lo and behold I made it and um, I mean it's an unbelievable experience to be around those guys and uh, having uh, made that made that uh, you know, one of my mm -hmm. accolades. Kudos yeah. to you congratulations oh, on that all-star Thank you so selection. much. Thank Very you. happy for you. Let's bounce around a little bit. In uh, April of 2020 when the league had suspended games because of the pandemic the NBA uh, televised that horse competition the HORSE competition yeah. uh, those are some impressive trick shots <laughs> but that's not how you play like how we see you mm -hmm. in the NBA are you a trick shot kind of guy you're always kind of cooking up something unusual when we don't see you yeah. on the court it's funny because I'm like like in the games I'm more um, 
I try to be more solid, like as, as solid as I can be, like make the right play, make the right pass, shoot the right shot. When I'm not in a NBA game, if you catch me in an open gym or like practice or anything like that, like I'm throwing the ball between my legs, bouncing it off my feet and off the backboard, off the shot clocks. Like I love to be creative because um, I just think it's a fun part of the game to be able to just try different things. And uh, but I don't want to do it in a game because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> don't want to get pulled out of a game for doing something stupid. So. Um, it's, it's just part of who I am. Yeah, you're like Globetrotter-esque. That spin and punch one, I mean, the, just the creativity to even come up with that <laughs> was impressive. Well, it was fun because it was uh, it's something I do after, after every workout, basically. I play horse and just try trick shots. So when they asked me to be a part of that event, I was like, you think they got an extra spot for me? Like, <laughs> I'd love to do it. So. You're like, I've been prepping my <laughs> yeah. whole career for this right, moment. Right, You won the NBA Sportsmanship Award <clears throat> three times. 2014, 16, 19. How proud are you just of that kind of recognition by the league? Um, I, I'm super proud of it. I think that's something that, um, you know, when you look back, you know, everybody talks about all-stars and scoring records and things like that and um, holding all these records. But, like, the most proud thing I can say is, like, you know, my kids look back and talk about dad or my family, my mom, anybody like that. They look at my sportsmanship or teammate of the year. Like, stuff like that mm -hmm. is, like, talks to who you are as a person, um, how you were raised, your family, your circle. Um, and that's something that, that will go on forever. You know, that's something that my kids will hopefully pick up on and realize that it's more than basketball. It's more than putting up numbers and, you know, winning games. It's, you know, can you affect people's lives in a positive way um, just through an interaction that you have with them one time. And uh, I'm very proud of that. There's a bigger picture element. Huge, to yeah. Free. Yeah. Coming up on Wolves Plus, like father, like son, and how Mike met Oscar, when we continue on Wolves Plus. Downs on the attack. Go back! Oh my God! <laughs> Edwards, the Euro, and the finish. Okay, now I want to ask you about your dad, Mike Conley Sr., an Olympic gold medalist in the triple jump in 1992, silver in 84, world indoor champion, outdoor champion, national track and field hall of fame, just a really decorated, accomplished track and field athlete. I assume you've seen highlights of this. Have you watched his like Olympic gold medal winning triple jump mm -hmm. performance? Uh, yeah, I've seen it plenty of times. And... <laughs> plenty of times. <laughs> Probably one too many. He he enjoys it uh, a lot to to you know whenever that does pop up and um, he's the claim to fame for the family. So we'll I'll let him <laughs> I'll keep him. You know he's at the top of the pedestal. He loves it. Okay. Well, I know he's not just great at, at track. He might have been a heck of a basketball player, <laughs> winning the Footlocker Celebrity Slam Fest a few different times. Deion Sanders, Ken Griffey Jr. They were a part of that. The, watching these clips on YouTube. That was incredible. Yeah. I'm telling you, these are non-basketball players dunking the ball. Your dad's best, jumping from the free throw line, like going end to end there, jumping from the free throw mm -hmm. line. You've for sure seen those highlights. Yeah, I, I saw all those. I went to a few of them. Um, I went to one in Phoenix one year, had a blast. But, um, yeah, my dad could jump. He couldn't really hoop like that, though. He, he was just like the okay. guy that would like the super athlete that would dunk on everybody and – 
um, uses athleticism. But as far as like the other parts of the game, like that's where like I came in and and uh, always would you know brag about how I was a lot better than him at that. So um, yeah, no, he was he was amazing, and um, I wish I would have had you know the guts to dunk a lot like that. I still could jump like not as probably not as good as him, but I could jump pretty high. And I was just like afraid to get beat up and knocked down and stuff. Well, that's what I was going to ask you if you inherited some of his leaping ability because we I know you're, you're not the tallest guy out there, but we don't see you dunk mm -hmm. a lot. No, and and I learned early. I think I went up in high school, like senior year sometime and tried to dunk and I was really high one leg and got taken out the air and like landed on my ankle and was in a boot for like a month. And I was like, man, you know what? I just that's just not for me. Like, I don't get anything out of getting hurt trying to dunk I'm too light you know so at that point that's when the the floaters and the mid-range sure. and all that stuff came in and allowed me to play 16 years yeah. so I'd rather do that than uh have a few highlights so you got smarter I did you I got did. smarter yeah um from an SI article in 2007 your dad said I used to pull out those tapes and make Mike and Greg Oden look at them I had to show them hey I'm not some old fart I used to dunk from the free throw line <laughs> That's correct. We used to, like I said, we got this little like lifelong beef going on when it comes to you know he, him trying to show how athletic he is. He even like the other like a few years ago got on the treadmill at the house and I was doing sprints to prepare for the season and he's like, oh, I can do that. So he hops on and literally like tears his hamstring oh, and no. has this big bruise on the back of his leg, like is out for like months. And I was like, see, that's why, you know, your brain is your body ain't, ain't, you know, ain't connected yeah. like they used to. So, um, you know, it's, he kind of settled down after that. Small victory for you. Yeah. Then. Small victory. Painful one for him. Though. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. You are in the short film game, mm -hmm. or at least you have been. I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. You are an Academy Award winner. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really incredible. You were an executive producer on the short film, Two Distant Strangers. You and Kevin Durant were mm -hmm. executive producers. And two years ago, that film won an Oscar, mm -hmm. an actual Academy Award. I find that incredible. Um, the movie and the message are very important. And it's something that I don't think most people in the NBA have any connection to the film world whatsoever, other than maybe, you know, enjoying films or having mm -hmm. a cameo here and there. What is your interest and intent in the film world, Mr. Academy Award yeah. winner? Um, and had no intentions to take it that far to win anything. It wasn't like I was getting in it for that. It was like, um, this is a great opportunity for me to, you know, do something other than basketball, put my mind and time somewhere else and I've always been interested in film just you know I love watching films I just love uh, you know documentaries I just love learning uh, that way and uh, the short film you know uh, space was a opportunity for me to just put my whatever on something you know just put my creativity my mind my thoughts and um, you know, we had a great team you know Trayvon the, the director producer he did basically everything and um, the, from the actors to, you know, obviously the guys who are obviously involved in executive producing and uh, Kevin, like it was just like a, a great experience during a time that, that needed something, you know, like that, you know, it was, we were going through a lot as a, as a nation and uh, it was just a, um, you know, a window into what it's like to, you know, be African-American walking around. Sometimes you don't do anything and bad things happen. Sometimes you 
do a little bit of something and bad things happen. So it's like, you know, just the, the, you know, recognition of that, that not always are, you know, is something bad is a reaction. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that, that film kind of, you know, highlights that a lot. Yeah. We were at the center of a lot of it in Minneapolis at that time. What was your reaction when you found out that film had won the Oscar? Um, so a cool story. I was actually here, uh, in Minnesota when, we when we won the Oscar, we were staying at the Lowe's. Um, I pulled up to the hotel and I go to my room and I walk in my room and there's this red carpet oh. laid out in these gold like balloons and and this big you know Oscar balloon trophy guy whatever and I'm just like, what is all this? I knew the Oscars were that that day and I'm looking at the TV and it's on and and lo and behold we win the win the Oscars and. Uh, when the Oscar and I'm like wow like I just can't believe it so like I'm in the hotel room and like people are calling me and I'm just yeah. I got a champagne bottle I don't even know I don't even drink champagne like that so like I'm just popping it with Quinn <laughs> Quinn Snyder and we're just acting <laughs> like we're drinking and teammates would come by and um I mean, yeah but it was a, an amazing feeling because um, I mean I did a little bit but just the hard work of all the people sure. involved um was it, it was so well deserved and I'm um, glad it was well received yeah. by everybody very cool. Yeah. Um, your wife, her name is Mary. You were college sweethearts mm-hmm. at Ohio State. You have three boys, right? Yeah. Uh, six. Six, four, oh, two. Six, four, and two. Life's pretty busy over at the Conley House. It's crazy. Is everyone getting situated and about to get acclimated to Minnesota? Yeah, they're, um, they actually come in town today, but they're, they've been in Utah since the trade, and they'll stay there until school's out. Uh, once school is out, they'll... Uh, transfer everything and come over here uh, they're super excited and my kids are wild boys as you can you know, tell from any six four and two year old boy they're all over the place and um, it's no different the snow is the snow just like in Utah yeah. it's snowy here and colder so they're just you know they're accustomed to it and just excited for a new journey a new experience and we're a little closer to Ohio where we we live in mm-hmm. off season too so I mean it's a short flight home and um, so the dynamics there are going to be good. Well, we'd like to wrap up here with five questions, just <clears throat> random, quick, kind of personality-driven questions. Okay. Do you have any superstitions? Any superstitions? Um, only superstition I have is I have to pray three times before the game. Three times. Three times, always. Not Whatever. two, not four. No, three. And it has to be three. I don't know why. I just started it and have not stopped. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you about your game day routine. That's obviously yeah, part of it. Anything else it. that is really specific to game day? Um, really specific. I've always put it, uh, I always have two Halls cough drops and I put one in my sock and uh, I'll, I'll eat one right before the game. So for sorry, some reason. Sock? Yeah, sock. So I, I put one in, I always put it, it was one time I did it maybe rookie year second year and I was putting it there like as like an emergency like situation somebody threw me a couple of them and I had one and I just threw it in my sock just to like you know put it somewhere that I didn't have pockets because we're in the middle of the game yeah. and then it just stuck so I just always put one in my sock and I hardly ever get to that one it just ends you up still do that yeah I just, is it wrapped or unwrapped it's wrapped yeah it's still in the wrapper and you play the whole game with it yeah it's weird I know we'll just leave that <laughs> If we were to open your refrigerator right now, Salt Lake City or here, whatever, what is in, what is always in your refrigerator? Always in my refrigerator. Um, I always have like the canned pears, uh, 
you might have like Del Monte or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like the like, half, half pair, yeah, slice yeah, pair. half pair, slice pair. Like sometimes it's no sugar added. Sometimes you add sugar. Like, I just like any kind yeah, of pairs. 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 And that's like, I have like eight or eight or nine, you know, cans of it always. Mm. And I'll eat it in the middle of the night, wake up at one in the morning and be like hungry or something. I just have a, you know, can of pears and throw it away and be good. <laughs> I have never heard that one before. <laughs> but okay. Other than pears, what is your favorite food? What is your least favorite food? Uh, my favorite food probably. I'm a I'm a chicken guy, so like any kind of chicken, I like. Okay. Um, especially like it like in like a, you know, stir fry or like fried rice, you know, with chicken in it, like yeah. stuff like that is really good to me. Uh, least favorite, uh, I would probably say, I don't know. I'm not like a big, like, I'm not, I'm not a sushi, like a sushi eater. As much as I like fried rice and stuff, I don't eat like raw fish or anything like yeah, that. Like sh- the shark or eel. Yeah, or eel. Like, like I'm not very adventurous. Okay. So it's probably like my least favorite. Okay. And are you more of a night owl or a morning person? Um, I, can I be both? Sure you can. Because I, I stay up late and my kids give me up early. So I, I'm used to getting up early now and on little sleep. And I like to stay up and because once you put them to bed at like 9 o'clock, it's like, you know, I finally get some time to watch a show or play a video mm-hmm. game or do something. So I end up doing that for like three hours and end up going to bed at 1230 instead of 10. So. And then get up at six, yeah. seven. So I'm good. I'm good at both ways. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. You have both ends of the day. <laughs> right, right. Well, Mike, um, thank you for taking time for this. Thank you for um, just uh, just being uh, open with us a little bit. Yeah. And welcome to Minnesota. Thank you so much. Glad to be here and excited for what we have to come. There you go.